cricket Dreaming about a premiership cup We love our clubs but they never win Two flags in 100 years That shit house if you think we'll be insightful Clever or just well researched to say that's not the case We'll just go out and wing it We are Two Guys, One Cup Hello and welcome to Two Guys, One Cup the summer edition. Just because a footy's over doesn't mean we have to stop talking about football. My name is Charlie Clawson and this is a series we're calling My Club, where I sit down with a prominent supporter of another club and try and learn a bit more about why they follow the team they do. Because as a one-eyed Saint supporter, I realised I don't really know that much about the other clubs in the competition. And if you've listened to Two Guys One Cup, you'll know that's true. Anyway, the first person we're talking to is Bernard Curry. You might know him. He's an actor and a musician who's currently on Wentworth. He's also a mad keen Richmond supporter. So, considering the Tigers are on the verge of a dynasty, we thought it was an appropriate first guest. So, without further ado, here's Bernard Curry. Bernard Curry, welcome to Duke Eyes One Cup, my club, the summer edition. Are you still celebrating the Tigers' historic win? Oh, you know, it was... Um... It was it was the it was a, an awesome end to an extraordinary season, wasn't it? I mean, you know, the, the whole fact that that Melbourne was in this this really serious lockdown, and, and you know, you, you know, you you've got all these kind of the the WhatsApp groups with your mates and stuff like that. <laughs> it was this real kind of thing where footy was just was the sort of thing that was getting people through. Like, you know, yeah. the luck. You know, we were all so joyous that we were able to kind of re- regain the season after that initial break and they said oh well we're going to do 17 rounds and it's looked like we're going to get some you know get a get a whole season of footy and you're like oh awesome and then we had those kind of um footy what do they call footy festival of footies and stuff those kind of footies yeah those sort of sections where it was like every single night of the week there was a game of footy on or two games or you know and and we were even talking with each other on these on these um these whatsapp group about like can't believe it. There's seven nights a week and it's footy every single night. And it's, it's kind of did joyous, you, but that whole thing of Melbourne being in this lockdown, you, you you couldn't go to the footy. And that's one of the, that's one of the great joys of being a Melbourneian is going to the MCG and watching footy. But to be able to watch the, you know, watch the season unfold and, and having to be on that, that lockdown. And then not only that for, as a Tigers fan, you know, towards the end of the season, we had a few injuries early on and, and, you know, you can see this a similar thing unfolding as to what happened last year. And also in 2017, where they just get it right. They start to get the kind of, you can see the injuries and the, the kind of the, you know, the, the kind of um, fitness coaches and stuff you see them working on the, on the guy, you know, and it's all about, basically working towards that final day, you know, in what well, even in October, but, um, um, you know, it's like Mike Brady up, didn't they? <laughs> no, one day in October. Uh, uh, but the, yeah, so you could, you could see it happening again. And it was, you know, as, as a Tiger supporter, there was, there was nothing better. And then, you know, obviously that kind of, um, you know, getting getting over Port Adelaide in, in that in that sort of prelim, which was the the, the you know it was a really tight game and stuff. But um, you know, you, you, it, it almost had that sense of kind of inevitability about it. And without sounding cocky, in you know, in any in any sense, it was that kind of you, you could see the processes that the whole coaching staff were going through 
because they were intending to win the grand final. It wasn't like we hope we win. We they were like we we need to do these steps because we think we're going to win it. You know, so it was great. Well, it was in, it was interesting because you, that you bring up the WhatsApp because that's the one thing that really stood out for me this year in our WhatsApp group was your calm confidence about the Tigers all year because amongst our groups of friends. The Tigers are written off a bunch of times. You lose to Hawthorne, we write you off. You know, uh, you start, you lose the first final, we write you off. And you were very steadfast. And I was a little like flummoxed. I was like, gee, Bernie, I think Bernie's deluded here. I don't think Bernie understands what's going on. The Tigers, you know, they've got the staggers. They've gotten too old. But you knew what was going to happen, didn't you? Well, look, don't get me wrong, Charlie. I <laughs> Any season I would do that, you know what I mean? Like <laughs> even if we finished 13th, I'd be like, no, nah, we're going to win the flag. No, but that's, you know, that we, we've got a few Carlton supporters in the uh, in the WhatsApp group that are that are the same, you know. Next year we're going to win, you know. And they <laughs> up until up until it's completely foregone conclusion that they will not make the finals, they're still bullish about their team. I, you know, I've had to be that about the Tigers since. I mean, I you know I've I've played for the Tigers since I was a since I was a kid. So there's been lots of times when it's been really lean periods and you still got to, you got to find that sort of energy for the team and for the club and stuff. And, you know, I mean, you're obviously a saint supporter. So um, I I feel for people like, you know, the D's and the saints and stuff that I know what they've gone through and I know what they're still going through. And that, that kind of great hope of like next year, maybe with, if we get a good draft and we do a good trade period and stuff, we can actually, you know, make some inroads in the finals. And, um, you know, it was good to see the saints doing, you know, so well this year and, and, and feeling like the next few years are actually really feeling positive, you know, and as, yeah. as a Tigers supporter, it's, I say this a lot to people, but it's, it's such a joyous thing to be able to know to, you know, and, and that's, that's in the last five years to know that when you go to the footy, you know, your your, tie, your, your team is going to show up and that you're going to get a competitive game at least, unless it's against the saints in, um, what was it? 2017 round, round 19 or something <clears throat> in 2017 when we got absolutely just poleaxed by you guys. It was unbelievable. I was watching it at home. Luckily I wasn't at the game, but yeah, it was that was incredible to see that, you know. Well, look, we're we're not here to talk about the Saints. The the whole point of this summer edition of Two Guys One Cup is I I realise that you know I am a mad keen Saints supporter, but I don't know enough about other clubs. And and what I really love doing is talking to other people about their fandom, why they barrack for their team, you yeah. know, who their favourite players are and stuff. So let's go way back to the beginning. So. Yeah. Uh, your family, do they? I know Steve goes for the pies. Yeah, so my is your, family is a bit um, is quite disparate in terms okay. of its um, AFL supportage. So uh, my father grew up in Mooney Ponds, <clears throat> and uh, he went to St Bernard's Catholic Boys School. I guess that's how I got my name. Um, lucky he didn't go to Tempe Tech, I guess. But. Um, <laughs> Why uh, he he obviously is a is a is a uh, bombers supporter, but he's not one of those kind of one eyed dog in the wall sort of supporters. He supports the bombers because he grew up in Mooney Ponds, ran Essendon, went to school in Essendon, and that sort of thing. So um, he was he was never like I like I am, and like you probably will be uh, with mm. your kids. You've got, to, you've got to barry for the tiger. I've been like, you've got to barry for the tigers. That's there's no two ways about it. So he was not yeah. actually 
particularly kind of forceful in that way. And Stephen tells a story about how, uh, you know, he, he was taken, dad never actually took us to the footy. We, we, you know, he wasn't a big kind of football supporter. He never really okay. was mad to go to, you know, go to the footy and Steve got taken to the, to the footy by, by a friend of his and, um, and he, they went for the pies. And of course he went, you know, this would have been in the, in the late seventies and he's, you know, I mean, he has his experience at the footy with the pie and the whole kind of thing. And, you know, at the MCG and, Came home a, a pie supporter. That's all it takes. A four and twenty pie and some hot jam donuts. That's <laughs> it, it. It doesn't take much, you know. But um, uh, so uh, my oldest brother Peter. Um, so I've got five kids in my family. My sister Margaret is the oldest, and uh, my mum goes for the demons because because her dad was a demon supporter. So she just was she was sort of indoctrinated into the demons. And I don't think she felt like she could kind of um, uh, force her will upon her kids um, for the D's. And then Peter, Peter, I'm not sure why, but Peter, I think probably had the similar experience to what Steve did, and he followed the the Tigers. And Andrew, I think another another time, another sort of simpler story. I think he was taken to the footy by a friend of his, and uh, and he came home a Hawk supporter. So Andrew is a Hawk supporter. Uh, and I, and I kind of idolized my older brother, Peter. So, you know, I was just like, yeah, I go for the Tigers. You know, when I kind of was growing up, you know, as a young kid, yeah, I go for the Tigers. I, I didn't go to that many games back in the day, you know, as I was a young kid. Uh, but I just followed the, I just followed the Tigers and that was just my team from, from day one, you know. Okay. So when you started supporting them, was that around about 1980 when they, had their last premiership before the drought. So the Tigers were actually an up and about side when you got interested in football. Yeah, so uh, uh, that's right. The early 80, obviously you ran 80 was was a was a uh, was one of the grand finals. 74, I was born in 74 and so it's kind of serendipitous and it was the and it's Chinese year of the Tiger, 74. All right. And, I was born, <laughs> and we also and Tigers won the flag in 74. Um Obviously, 1980. You know, I would have been uh, six years old. So, you know, it, it, I think I think that energy around the Tigers at the time probably would have been in my formative years and going for the Tigers. But I do remember, you know, the old when you had the duffel coat, you had the, the duffel coat with mm. the pegs that kind of fold oh, into yeah. the buttons and stuff. And you oh, had classic, the, mate. You know, I had Michael Roach and and. Um, and uh, Morris Rioli and um, David Cloak and Dale Waitman and you know I remember all and and you know, KB and so it was it was a you know that it was, it was amazing time where you do those kind of things and it's it's similar these days with kids you know they wear their heart on their sleeves and they support the the team but I just the duffel coat was one of those things that I just will never forget you know that you had everybody had a duffel coat and you had you might have had a number on the back of your favorite player and then you had the you you kind of sewed in these little um or your mum probably did the little kind of patches on the arms of yeah. all your favorite players and stuff you know on the on the arms and everything it's just um, I would love right. to see that old duffel coat. I wish my mum had kept it, you know, but they obviously just went missing somewhere. You're right. It was so, it was such a uh, like a, a, a staple of the early '80s, late '70s, early '80s. Was yeah. that black duffel coat yeah. and footy badge combo? Because I don't know, there was something about the duffel coat. It was nice, thick material. Yeah. You could put lots and lots of pins through it. But yeah. 
that should come back. I mean, it, badges, it, it had badges all over it, and the things, yeah. and then also your emblem. You know, the main sort of footy emblem was on the kind of chest, and then you know those little kind of rectangular name things were on the on the kind of uh, arm, and it was such a it was a cultural sort of standard. Everybody had yeah. exactly the same looking duffel coat, exactly <laughs> the right. same, you know, kind of little kind of name badges and stuff on it. And it's like, it, it is a bygone era, isn't it? And it would be awesome to see it again. I, I wonder who made those duffel coats. If that's, is that like a Dimmy special or something, the wooden peg duffel coat? I'd love to know. Oh, I reckon it has to be Dimmy, <laughs> wouldn't it? Dimmy's, yeah, Dimmy's in Forges that I reckon, yeah. you know, have to be that, right? So as a kid, uh, you know, you, that you, when you first sort of gravitate towards football, there tends to be a player that gets you in. I mean, for me, it was obviously Trevor Barker. You can't really go past that. Yeah. You mentioned the guys you had on your Morris Riolis and your David Cloaks. Yeah. No, it was Michael Roach. For me, it was Michael Roach, you know. He was a, just a just this big kind of ball, you know, like you just this real manly man and stuff. And you, you know, you just saw him and he was this kind of, yeah, this sort of Viking kind of character. He, you know what he was like? It was like if Magnum PI had been a footballer, <laughs> like he yes. was just that Tom Selleck, big mustache, you know, no, just a man's right. man, big grabs, cavalier, he totally he attacked the ball. Yeah. I can totally see how that would capture your imagination as a kid. All right. No, that's right. I just remember it was always Michael Roach in that, in those days. That was the, you know, he was that sort of swashbuckling kind of pirate sort of guy that just took no prisoners, you know. And, he, and I mean, Kevin Bartlett, I always liked Kevin Bartlett. He's sort of silky kind of skills and and um, uh, and stuff like that. And, and um, you know, they're all those sort of those journeymen like Jim Jess, you know, those kind of those guys that were just, you know, and footy, and footy was obviously it was such a different time back then, you know, mm-hmm. like these guys were, it was like a part-time yep. footy was like a part-time thing for them. You know, these days it's obviously it's completely full-time. It's a professional gig. It's the only thing they would do for the, however long their career lasts. But these guys have got, you know, trades. They, they, they go home and they're a chippy or mm-hmm. they're kind of sparky and they're, they're doing all sorts of things. And, but, you know, play footy on the weekends and for a few extra bucks on the side and stuff, you know, they're not earning nearly as much kind of coin as what they are now. But, um, Times were sort of simpler back then, weren't they? It, it feels like times were simpler and and it was pure. Like football was that kind of, you know, that pure thing that people were doing, you know, they were just playing and, and, and it was it was also hard as well, the way that, you know, because you used to go to the footy to watch the fights and stuff like that and, you know, and <clears throat> those big kind of brawls that, you know, used to break out and people would just kind of be punching shit out of each other. Well, of course, the Tigers were part of the battle at Windy Hill, one of the, the most legendary uh, brawls bloody, yeah, of all right. time yeah. against Essendon. It's funny you should mention that. I did do a bit of research, uh, and this is very uncommon for two guys, one cup. We are famous for yeah. our lack of research. But I did do a bit of research on Richmond, and I found out something that I thought was actually really interesting, which was that when they first entered the VFL, which was, became the AFL, uh, the Tigers wanted to be known as the Gentleman's Club and they would often use the press to campaign to try and stamp violence out of the game. Yeah. I mean, how things changed. What happened by 1974? That all went out the window, clearly. No, I must have. It must have, you know. Burke, and, you know, I, I mean, I, I think I like, Francis Burke, I think, is sort of probably my favourite player that, you know, I, I, I never really watched him play, but just the stories of of his toughness and stuff like that where, you know, it's like, he's, uh, I think he embodies what Richmond 
really tried to kind of create for themselves back in those days, you know? Well, let's talk a little bit about that because this is um, what I find most interesting about, you know, clubs and, and, you know, talking to people about their clubs is the culture and the identity of a club. Because I think over the last few years, Richmond have completely rewritten how they're perceived. Um, you know, the time that you and I have been following football, like you sort of came in at the tail end of a very strong period. And then you entered the wilderness for, what, 20-something years? Yep. Watching the Tigers kind of like find their identity again. And, uh, you know, Will and I, about four years ago, coined a phrase which uh, sort of took off, which was Richmondy. And yeah. you know, it's sort of hard yeah. to explain what Richmondy is. A lot of people yeah. misinterpret Richmondy and they think it's, oh, they just lose. And it's like, it's more than that. Richmond were able to lose in the most hilarious yeah. Charlie Brown-esque oh, kind yeah. of ways where, you know, the, you, and if it was a bizarre way to lose a game, that's the way the Tigers would lose it. If there was a bizarre way to miss out on finals, that's the way the Tigers would lose it. And it would be easy to, for it to understand how someone who was born after 1980 prior to 2017 would think of Richmond as being this kind of like just enigma of a club, you know, that would would, yeah. would, would only play, uh, couldn't win a final, had only played finals five times in the last 20 years. So just talk me through that period of, you know, uh, from 1980 to 2017, where you guys only made sporadic finals appearances and you got like just frustratingly close to being a good team. You had good players like Matthew Richardson, Dale Waitman, the guys you just named. What was that like? Did you sort of feel like you guys were close but not getting it together or did you feel like you were just having a period in the wilderness? You know, it was one of those, I mean, uh, it, it was so frustrating to kind of, just to just to be a part of that, you know. I mean, I look. I must admit, I I there was a time in my life when I when I not, I'm not drifted away from the you know from being a supporter. I've always considered myself a supporter, but in terms of just you know being kind of dedicated to the club and to and knowing everything about them and stuff, there was a time when it, in my life I was doing other stuff and it wasn't really. And I, I think it was over around around that time, you know. Really? No one's blaming you, mate. You've got to. Like, trust me, as a Saints supporter, you've got to protect your heart from time to time. Occasionally, you've just got to walk away and not pick up a paper and not go online because it hurts. It fucking hurts. It's like being in a relationship with someone who keeps cheating on you. Occasionally, you've just got to have some space. So no one's going to judge you, mate. No one's going to judge you. No, that's right. Yeah, so, yeah, it was, was, um, you know, you you just kind of – and and it's also, you know – I mean, you've you've been the, you've obviously borne the brunt of this in, on many occasions too. But when you're talking with your mates or with other people, and and you, you know, it, part of the Australian culture is taking the piss out of your mates when their when their footy team is kind of not going so well, and you know, um, you, so you've got to you've got to bear that, you know, every single time. And but just yeah, just watching it, and, and the, you're right. There was it was comical times when it was like. Like, like I say in the, in the last five years where you know that you, you're going to the football with – you go to the footy with confidence where you know you're going to watch you, – see your team turn up. Back in those days – and it was a protracted period of time. It was years and years where you go, I have no idea what's going to go on today. <laughs> but but the, probably the most likely thing is is that we're going to be ahead and you think, okay, I think we've got this in the bag and, for, and somehow we're going to find a way to lose. It's like – 
It's just <laughs> that's it. you, you know, you, yeah. That's that was the that was the universal constant that you knew you could rely on is that we'd we'd play well and you go see we can play well you and you know that you've you've got these players that are that are you know obviously really talented and they're starting to gel and then all of a sudden something happens and it might have and it, it just and you and you know it's that whole thing if you see it happening it's like the fourth quarter you go right we're ahead we've got 20 points up our sleeves and then the other team kicks a goal and you go it's happening again yeah you know that it's happening again and it's the inexorable conclusion that it just you know it's happening and then all of a sudden yes it happens and you just hang your head and you walk out of the mcg going there you know and then you know there was all those uh they the people who rewrote the song we finished ninth again <laughs> of eight, you know that kind of it's the finals you know like just missing out on finals by like a game or a kick or whatever, and you just go, oh well, that's our season over again. Or thirteenth. I mean, it's not often, and sometimes this is actually a worse thing. But it's not often that that we really sucked. So we didn't get a lot of those kind of first round draft picks and stuff yeah. like that. You know, where where you can actually do a rebuild, you can do a full rebuild. So we, there was that this sort of wilderness time in the wilderness where you were just ninth mint. That's when you were ninth mint. Night, that's right. Night twenty ninth or thirteenth um, or whatever, somewhere around in that time, that that sort of region. And it's hard to kind of springboard back into that kind of finals contention because it's sort of you know you're kind of wallowing in the wilderness out there. But um, you know it's and and so I, I like to sort of talk about when because um, we went to LA. My, my wife Sonia and I went to LA for five years. We got there in 2011, the end of 2011, and um, you know we 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 were we kind of we kept following the the football, but uh, you know I wasn't I was a little bit kind of persona non grata in, in Australia. And, and I, I didn't follow it sort of religiously and stuff back here, but it was, they were, they were pretty lean times. Mm-hmm. You know, it was nice to watch, you know, Matty Richardson, can I have a few games, have a few good games, but I always tended to see Richardson, you know, he was an unbelievably talented footballer, but if, if he was having a bad day, everyone would have a bad day because he'd hang his head yeah. and he'd go, why are you moping around like that? And then the whole team would go, Oh Jesus! You know, Richo's having a, a tough day, and that's what. But, but I think that's what people loved about Richo. I mean, that's what I, as an outsider, loved about Richo is that passion that he displayed. In many ways, I reckon Richo was the embodiment of Richmond prior to your successful period. Yeah, no, that's true. Because he was that's capable. True. You know, he was watchable. There's people liked him. But yeah. then he would like it's you know a brilliant bit of play. He would take a screamer on the wing and then he'd kick it into the point post out on the full. You know what I mean? He would do the most brilliant thing and the most disappointing thing in the same passage of play. And to me, that kind of felt like Richmond as a whole. Like yeah. I don't know anyone who disliked Richmond. They're not. They weren't like a Collingwood. They weren't like a West Coast. You know, people liked Richmond, but there was this kind of like. How are they going? How are they going to fuck this up? I, uh, I, I so my wife Sonia. So my wife Sonia um, grew up in in Brisbane, uh, but she was not from a sporting family. So she, her, her first, and this is a, this is an interesting kind of cool story and stuff. But her first experience of football. So she, she's more from the theatre world. So she, um, 
went to uni up in Queensland uh, as a stage manager. So she's been stage manager for lots of theatre productions. She worked at the Spiegel Tent, which is this travelling kind of um, uh, Belgian sort of dance hall thing that travels around the world, does the Edinburgh Festival. So for years she was sort of travelling around with this, you know, but she was a very arts kind of, you know, theatre person. And um, Barry Stoneham, who we were mates with, because he used to come and watch our band play at the, at the College Lawn Hotel every Sunday, he said to Sonia, oh, I'll take you down to a game. And so he took her to a, a, a cats and dogs game at uh, at the what was then the Telstra Dome, I think it was called. And uh, and, and it was her first game of football. And she she came back she came back and I said, oh, how was it? I was busy that day. And so, so she just went with Baz and, um, and a couple of crew. And I said, how was the football? And she went, it was unbelievable. I've never seen, like she said, the crowd would just – screaming and they were like passionate and they were like, you know, they were, they were, it's just like this packed crowd. And she said, if yeah. the theater of that was unbelievable, like, you know, coming from a purely theater kind of um, standpoint, she's like, that's what, that's what you want to create in an audience on a stage. That kind of, that sort of yeah. reaction from people where they go, Oh my God, I just love this. And I'm so invested in this. And, I, and I'm, and I'm just kind of going along for the ride. And I'm screaming along with the heroes and I'm hissing the villain. And you know, that kind of thing. She said, that's, that looked to me, it was like theater. It was I mean, like, and that, that's an amazing way to look at it, you know, from uh, having not experienced any football before in her life. But then I remember there was one time in, in LA and I'm watching Richo play and stuff. And, I, and I'm like, Oh, you know, and I just came, I just sort of yelled this thing at the TV and it was something along the lines of this, like, mate, Richo, oh God, he can, you know, he can, he can, uh, he can be like 20 meters out. He's directly in front and it'll slew off the side of the boot. Right. But, you know, he can be 50 out. He'll turn on a tuppence and just snap and go straight through the big sticks. And she said, I don't know a word of what you just said. That just makes no sense to me. And I'm like, slew off the side of the boat and you turn on tuppence and you snap a goal from 50. But that's what Richo was. It was that kind yeah. of guy where he right directly in front and you just would you'd be like maybe 40, 60, he's going to kick this. But he would just do something magic on the 50-meter 50, uh, 50 line and just kind of snap it and, you know, he's going to go straight through. So, um but the fact that we had this, you know, that Sonia has this disparate, you know, she, very little kind of um, footy kind of lifestyle or or history. She, that what I just said made completely no sense to her. It was like gobbledygook what I just said. But any other other person knows exactly what I'm saying. You know, it's funny. Gemma, uh, my wife, also uh, does not come from a sporting background. You know, grew up in Scotland, and you know, all her experience of sport was you know um, Rangers versus Celtics and pub violence. Yeah, yeah. That's that's what she thought sport was, and so she had absolutely no interest in AFL. Um, you know, when I introduced her to it, but slowly because of my passion for it you know she got curious i'd take her to some games and now you know she she's wouldn't say she's a fan but she likes it enough that she can watch a game with me if it's an important yeah. game but funnily enough of all the teams that she really took to 
it was the Tigers. Right. And for that exact reason, because she loved the emotion that Richo played with, but she loved yeah. also the mythology around Richmond. And also, because when she first came to Australia, you know, she do, used to do lights for a lot of bands at the corner hotels. So yeah. Richmond felt like, you know, yeah. uh, there's a warm association. But she also felt like that Richmond, the team, was like Richmond, the suburb. There's a kind of rock and roll element to them. They're a bit grungy, you know, they're yeah. a bit kind of unkempt. They're a bit sort of unpredictable. And yeah. she loved that. And so she sort of came out to me about three years ago <laughs> or four years ago when the Tigers won their first flag. And yeah. she said, "I look, I think, you know, I love you and I, and I love that you love the Saints, but I think I'm a Tigers supporter. And, and I was like, you know what? I can see it. No, I can, I can totally see it. Like, look, if my daughter goes the same way, it might be, it might be all over. But well, I, I was able to allow it. Well, so, so Sonia, so, you know, it's, it's great that we're talking about our experience with our wives who have, don't have the same upbringing as we did in terms of living in Melbourne and just in breathe, living and breathing football 24-7 through 40 season, which we all did. But we came back from LA, and so it was 2015, right? So 2015, uh, you know, and we were again, you know, 2015, 2016, we were like just in the sort of that kind of doldrums kind of area. And she turns to me after we were watching the game, she said, well, just maybe – Maybe we should choose another seat. It's another team. Like she wasn't even taking the piss. It was like, okay, this team's not going so well. Again, she just didn't get it. She's like, this team's not going so well. So maybe if we chose another one, we'd have a bit more success. And I'm like, I looked at her like, what? Are you kidding me? Like I've followed Tigers since I can remember. And uh, you've had to go through all those lean periods. And, you know, that's that's the thing about people who are really kind of passionate about their team. They won't let them go no matter what. You know, they can be finishing like the, like Carlton supporters over the last quite a long period of time have really suffered as, as, a, as, uh, as supporters of the team, but they'll never just go, oh, I'll just choose someone else, you know, because it's, you know, fuck these mm. guys. They're just not – they're not delivering for me as a person because eventually they will come back and they will get uh, the club will come back and and they will win another flag and you ma- and just imagine the emotion that i mean and that's what we experienced in 2017 of that you know and and, and i actually luckily enough cuz i came we came back in 2015 uh, and we, I'd kind of, it was too late for the um to the for the grand final but with the next year we went to the um to the Bulldogs grand final. And so I saw you, I saw you there. I remember. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw you there. And it was just, just, it, I mean, I mean, I was supporting the Bulldogs that day. Cause obviously, well, you know, Melbourne was yeah, Mel- Melbourne side. And just that, emo- you just go on that ride with the, with the supporters of that since the sixties, they had not won a flag. And it's like, so, so it's a beautiful thing that these guys had, the, the Bulldogs had gone through such a tough time um, you know, almost, almost to the point of losing their club. You know, they had to kind yeah. of re, you know, kind of, uh, you know, sort of do do some some major kind of uh, overhaul of the actual structure at the club to 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 not actually fold as a as an organisation. You know, and to have to come out of that and to win that flag in 2016 was, you know, 
you, you just go on that journey with them. And, and you, you, that's, that's where you understand why people don't let go of their clubs just because they're not kind of winning, of, you know, game yeah. after game. So, um, and, 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 and you, enjoy, you know, the, the people, those Bulldog supporters deserve to feel that deep emotion and that, that real kind of, um, you know, that true joy of, of winning a flag. And, so you, you talk about the, the the Richmond Richmond Football Club. I, I I have the same feelings about Saints. You know, like I, I feel as though people like the Saints. So I don't think there's not there's not much not to like about the Saints. And and they've you know they've 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 done it tough. And you you want them to succeed. You know because to see the Saints, let's say next year, to see the Saints win the flag next year would be would be something that you know you go on that journey with the supporters because it would be that life changing moment for them you know bernie I, I i can't even tell you what that what that i can't even imagine what that would feel like like it's <laughs> right i still i i just i i have invested so much yeah, no, that's <laughs> in this right. fucking club that's right. for no return yeah. and i and it feels like you know i mean how many how many bad periods have i got to go through so look i've made my choice like you're saying you know i think everyone who dates someone who is not a football uh a football follower has asked that question of why don't you support someone else? Yeah. Right. But I'm pot committed. Like it, it's too late. You know, it's like, I'm in my, I'm in my forties now. I'm too old. It's like, it's like, it's like, I'm not going to start dating an 18 year old. Like I'm yeah. sticking, I'm sticking with this marriage. Look, it's Rocky, but you know, we're, <laughs> but there's been some good times and, and that can sustain me through the bad times. And you hear those, those terrible stories about, you know, like, the bulldog supporters know. Oh, my old man was like a die on the wall doggy supporter, and and he died this year, and and he missed out on seeing him win the flag, and that would have like, you know, oh, that would have just made his whole life, you know. And that's it's it's as big as that sort of stuff. I mean, that, it sounds trivial to sort of say that sort of stuff, and it sounds humorous, but it's real. Like it's that's a real yeah. life changing thing. And if that guy's an old man who you know died, you know, the week the year before. If he'd been able to see the doggies win the flag, he could have died a happy man. Like, and that's, you know, that's that's what kind of life is about, isn't it? Well, what I try and explain to people who don't follow sport or, you know, follow AFL in particular, and, you know, even when Gemma was sort of getting into understanding my love for the Saints, is it's not just the win or loss. It's the history. It's the going to the football with your dad. It's the going to the football with your mates. It's standing in the outer and the suburban grounds. It's it's everything, you know. It's, it's a life experience. And it's, yeah. sure, it is a random selection of a team over which you have no influence, of which them winning or losing doesn't necessarily change your life, but it's more about the narrative that you've told yourself. And I think there's something important in that. Like when Will and I started doing Two Guys, One Cup, you know, the premise of that whole podcast was we both support teams that are woefully unsuccessful, that have had no success in the last hundred years. And in the first year of doing that show, the whole concept's torpedoed because the Bulldogs go on to win a flag. Will and I had many conversations, even prior to doing the podcast, about what does it say about our personalities that we both choose to follow clubs that are woefully unsuccessful? Like, are we addicted to toxic relationships? Is that is is it is it oh, something to do with that? No, but you didn't you didn't choose you didn't choose that when you were a kid. You you didn't you know you didn't choose no. that path for the club when you were a no. kid, right? It's 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 worth it's worth thinking about you know to to make that parallel between a, a toxic relationship and your relationship with your club, you know. 
but you would have been, that's the thing you would have felt that joy with Will on, on that night, you know, that, that we all did, you know? Yeah, that was, inc- that was incredible. I was sitting with, um, uh, look, this isn't a Bulldogs episode, but I'll be quick. <laughs> we, we, I was sitting amongst all the Bulldogs faithful, the club and the officials and a lot of the hardcore supporters and the release, like, when it looked like, when I knew it was in the bag, it was about a minute to go, I actually took out my phone and walked down yeah. the steps so I could yeah. get a nice shot and videotape the reaction. And it's I get goosebumps yeah. thinking about yeah. it. Just that release and the shock and the tears, like grown men and women crying and hugging each other because it just it just meant so yeah. much, you know? And, you know, I, I was so happy for you when the Tigers got up. I mean, look, the Tigers prior to that had seven flags, so I didn't feel as happy for you as I did for the Bulldogs supporters. But still, 20 years in football terms is like, you know, I mean, the Ottoman Empire, it might as well be like the fall of the Ottoman Empire when, the, you know, the yeah. Tigers last won a flag. So I think that, that moment, the, the, the moment of watching Richo sitting on the on the boundary, he was a boundary rider, you know, working for a network as, you know, the boundary rider. But he was, he was sitting on the, on the boundary just mm. – pouring tears you know and that 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 image was that kind of you know and when you were you were talking about how he richo was that he was such a club man you know such a dedicated guy that this is it's all come to this moment for him as a as a deeply you know entrenched richmond tigers guy that was one of those images of that 2017 grand final that will you'll never forget. You know, Richo sitting there just crying his eyes out, and yeah. you know, I mean, obviously there's lots of other images, and you know what? And we I want to go back to the Saints and run with really quick moment because <laughs> one of the things that I really enjoyed um, last year was when Danny Frawley passed away listening to SEN and all those kind of, you know, the sort of, uh, cause I listen to SEN quite a lot or watching, watching stuff on, you know, the kind of the, the, uh, the memorials on the TV and stuff of Danny, but he was such a saints man. And the, the stories that people, like I just enjoyed hearing all of the stories that people would talk about. It was almost like being in a memorial, you know, but, the, but it was a public, more public thing cause Danny was such a public figure, but hearing those stories about people that that had either either had a, a personal experience with Danny or like there was that one thing where you were like um, when they were redoing the grandstands and you know and, and they went and nicked a couple of seats from up in the bleachers yeah. at the, at, at Moorabbin. yeah that's right him and Stewie Lowe. yeah just uh, those stories of people and whether whether or not they knew Danny or whatever but they just had that kind of in that in that moment all Saint supporters had a real kinship and it doesn't matter who you were, what kind of where you come from, what kind of religion you are or whatever, the Saints supporters just, you know, really came together and, and I enjoyed that, you know, and I think Dan, you know, you enjoy the fact that, you know, that Danny would have loved that, you know, he would kind of galvanizing the club and, and its supporters and stuff. And, and, you know, hearing those stories about, the old days of football and, you know, how and what it meant to people and what it still means to people and stuff, you know. So there's there's something emotional in all that stuff, you know. 100%. Uh, Bernie, this has been great. I've just got uh, a few questions. We can whip through these at the end just to get a bit more of an idea about your association with Richmond. So you mentioned that uh, Disco Roach was your the player that got you into it when you were a kid. So of all the great players that have played for the club, who is your all-time favourite player? I mean... It's hard to go past Dusty, 
But do you have a player that you think has been better or that you have admired more than him? I don't think so. Uh, He's phenomenal. I mean, he is a freak. I remember when I, I remember when my my brother and I, my brother Steve and I were a big Test cricket fans, right? We used to our grandpa got us into Test cricket, you know, because. I used to think it was boring, you know, God, fucking hell, just do all day long playing cricket and stuff. But my grandfather got us into the, into the test cricket thing. And I, rem- I remember, uh, you know, watching Shane Warne bowl and we, and my brother and I used to just sit there and just watch test cricket and we'd watch Shane Warne bowl. And I, and I was like, I just enjoy watching him bowl so much in the moment. Mm. And I feel so glad that I was alive in that period of time when Shane Warne was bowling. Right. Whereas you can you can say oh you know Francis Burke would have been great to to you know or, or um, to to watch um, you know or or any of those kind of big little Jack Dyer and stuff like that but but to be alive and to be enjoying football and the way the team is playing at the moment and to to have that gift of watching this this player. And, and he's not, and, yeah. he, and, he, and he, you know, that's the thing. He's not like a hero. He's not a Buddy Franklin kind of um, sort of mm. heroic kind of player. You know what he is? He's he's the man for the moment. Yeah, that's, that's right. You know, and, and, and you know. like he just, he, I don't think there is a bigger, a better big game player. I mean, you're a hundred, everything you said is a hundred percent right. It's an absolute privilege to watch him play, but I don't think I have been left as speechless as I was this grand final. Like, I mean, we were, again, all part of that WhatsApp. And, like, just the messages that were coming through with every goal was just like, this yeah. guy is not from this earth. Yeah, he's yeah, a freak. I mean, that's the thing. The word freak gets, gets, you know, gets banded around a lot when you talk about him. I've watched that game now about three times, and and it's just incredible, like, Every big moment in the almost not quite every big, but almost every single big moment where you know short comes and kicks a goal or you know kind of um, these these moments that that when the game turned, it all starts with something that Dusty mm-hmm. does, and he just kind of and it's not like going with the with the flow of the game. He changes direction, puts it out in the center. Short runs onto it, kicks a goal. It's one, you know, it was. You you watch it happen, and you can see him, you know, influencing the game at those moments. And he, not, it's not necessarily those big goals. Those big goals that he kicked were unbelievable, but every single, almost every single moment that kind of was a real game changer. You could see him at the start of that chain, you know, and he does things that are like that's just. I love I love it when he's running in a direction and he just he puts the ball on the outside of his boot. Yeah. It goes in a 45 metre direction and, and it looks like he's, he's miskicked it. And you can see exactly what he's done. It's that kind of on the, on the outside of the boot. It's like this kind of almost like a new kick that he's invented. That's, you know. It's combination between power and grace. You know, he's less midfield bull with these sublime skills. And, and, and you can't tackle him. Like he can't get, he, he just, he, he just picks the ball up. And, and it, it, the thing about it is that, when you're watching the Tigers play, if he picks the ball up, you know 95% of the time something is going to happen and he, and he creates moments and he affects the game in a, such a way that, that no one else does, you know, even people like Dangerfield and stuff like that. I, I, well, I like watching Dangerfield play, whatever you th- I mean, I don't think much of him oh, personally, but out. I do like watching him look play. Out. 
Um, you know, but, but it's that, you know, there's, and Buddy Franklin, I mean, I love, love watching Buddy Franklin play. There's a lot of people I love watching play, but there's something about uh, Dustin Martin that just kind of is, is sort of hard to explain, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. a sort of ethereal kind of, like you said, grace and power and stuff. And it, and then things happen that you, you, you don't really realize happened like such as at the end of the game, when Gary Ablett was, um, you know, they were seeing him off. Usually, that's a thing that's taken over by the by the by the team by his teammates. They carry them off or whatever. Uh, but um, I think it was Dusty that sort of came up with the whole idea, and Koch then went over um, and sort of said, "Listen, you know, we'd like to to give him a guard of honor as well. You know, as as a mark of respect." And they said, "Yep, no worries." So they kind of set up this guard of honor, and not only that, and it was later. It was only after the game that someone pointed it out that, and in fact, I think it was at the Geelong Advertiser, the the Geelong paper had pointed out. They said, "You don't know if you realise, but the the Richmond players, and this is after they've got their medals, and he and Dusty got his Norm Smith. They'd yeah. taken off their medals to be just players." not to be winning, you know, the winning side or the losing side. They were just players, you know, giving this guy a mark of respect because he's a true great of the game. And they'd taken off their medals and stuck them in their pockets yeah. or in their socks or whatever and yeah. allowed him to have his moment without kind of gloating about the win that they'd had or whatever, which I think is classy, you know. Well, what the Preston report is they took off their medals to give to Jake King so he could go hock it down at cash converters. <laughs> Bit short on cash at the moment, old the push-up king. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. And then and then so it's people like like Cochin, right? You know, the, over the last few years, you see him do these little things that like I remember watching, you know, a late, late tele, you know, late sort of telecast. That was sort of the the commentators were, to- were talking, and then they kind of said, "Have a look at what what the cameras, the sort of fixed cameras down the rooms have just picked up." Everyone's left the rooms, and Koch is down there, cl- tidying it up. Like he's down, you know, they've they've everyone's left the rooms. They've gone back and had the showers and gone off, and he's in there picking up all the Gatorade bottles and putting them in the trash and cleaning up the room, yeah. you know, and. And I think, you know, Koch is another person that's, you know, I have huge respect for him as a player, but also as a person and as a leader. And I think much of the success that, that the Tigers have had over the last few years obviously comes from Dimmer Hardwick and everything and, and, and the coaching staff. But I think the leadership that Koch has is really something yeah. else, you know, and he, and, he, and he really leads by example and, and, uh, and asks that same kind of, commitment from his players and 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 when you watch them play you know and, and the commentators often talk about it you can see them play really as a unit you know like almost as a as a kind of a you know there's that symbiosis that they all have they're not a, you know not as not as kind of star players here or the, you know but they are genuinely just playing as a mm-hmm. as one unit and they have that cohesiveness that that's part of this, you know, that success story for them. Yeah, yeah. Koch just needs to spend a bit more on his haircuts. I think that that fifteen dollar just cuts haircut is not is not <laughs> cutting it for me. No pun uh, intended. I think um, you may have the same answer to this next question, but I'll ask it anyway. Who do you think is the club's greatest enigma or cult hero over the years? I, th- I think it is hard to go past Francis Burke. Right. Right. I mean, we're talking, you know, sort of back in the old days, or or Tommy Hafey or something like, you know, like people that just bled football and bled Richmond and stuff, you know, but, you know, and then it's, it's really hard to nail, to pin one down, you know, cause Matty Richardson is another one that, that mm. kind of um, that you, you know, have to be up there and stuff. But, um, uh, but I think 
the thing about Dusty, I think, I think you know, when it, when it comes out and the, the the history books talk to tell the story about Richmond, I think Dustin Martin, if you're talking about an enigma, yeah, he's so kind of and and the fact that he's so inaccessible to the press and everything as well, it helps that. But it's not because he. He wants to create that enigma about himself. Yeah. He's not trying to create it. It's not, not a conscious thing. He's just he's just that type of person. Just yeah. wants to go out there, play football, and and and, and you know. It, and then there's that whole thing of like a superstar like that has a couple of awesome seasons. He won the Brownlow and the Norm Smith in in and a and a and a flag, and then he wins the Norm Smith two years later. Another Norm Smith. You kind of think. He's he's achieved everything he would need to, and he and he could just kind of become, you know, kind of go out to pasture and just go out and sort of play, you know, just sort of have a get a get a get his bag of of kicks every game. But he seems to still come out and and ex, excel in those big moments, you know. So I think the you know you know you talk about someone who's got that enigma about him. It's it's hard to you know it's hard to go past Dusty, really, isn't it? I agree. What's your happiest memory or moment? I'm assuming it's happened in the last five years, but is there one that stands out more than the other? You know, you know, one of them. I think it sounds like it's a it's it's a fairly innocuous moment, but when Neil Baum came across from Hollywood, I sensed uh, I got there was at that it was at that moment that I went, oh, this could this could all just fit in and just all happen at the, you know, that's, it was a moment that I was like, I kind of, he was like, Neil Baum is, is, is coming back to the Tigers and, and he's going to be footy manager and stuff. And I'm like, this, this is good. This is a good thing for the club, you know, and. That is interesting. I would not, uh, that's the first time I've ever heard of that, but it does make sense when you bring like that, like a favorite son coming back to the club. It makes sense. Oh, no, absolutely. And I, uh, I, I, I remember feeling so excited about that. And it's not like we drafted a big player or, you know, someone came across or, or we signed Dusty. I mean, that was a big moment, of course, when, when Dusty was fielding 1.5, 1.6 offers from from the Kangaroos and, and yeah. you know, all over the joint. And he said, no, I'm, I'm, I'm Tigers. And, and he took, you know, he took a slight pay cut for that. I mean, he's like still going to earn a fair <laughs> bit of coin. No worries about that. But that, that that moment was a great one as well, where you go, okay, Dusty, it's Dusty for yeah. life. He's, he's going to be Tiger for life. And that's a, that's a great moment. But Neil Baum, the whole thing was like, you know, you just feel that sense of possibility when someone like that, you know, he's coming back. He's not just doing it for the money. You feel as though he senses something at the club, you know, when with Benny, Benny Gale in, in place and Peggy O'Neill and stuff. And you feel, you, I sensed that Neil Baum sensed that everything was, was, was in place for him to come and go to direct the club in that in the in a play, in a way that that real possibilities were were there. Um, you know, that's really interesting. But that's yeah. What's been your most crushing memory or moment? When did they really let you down? Did you almost walk away from them? Oh yeah, right. Um, I mean, I'm sure there was a number of them prior to 2017. Well, yeah. I mean. There was that kind of that splinter group that was, the, you know, it was only a few. It was actually, I think, in 2016, I think it was, or 15, when the group came out and they were basically saying, you know, that this board needs to be completely sacked and we're going to kind of, you know, it, it's, it was, um, you know, I felt like 
That's what they they lost, yeah. But they also it was all about the board as well. They wanted O'Neill, you know, gone and 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 Ben Brennan Gale, and they were this kind of you know this sort of yeah this sort of um, faction of of you know, and they were they were sort of trusted Richmond you know stalwarts. And it was like, this could be kind of, this could just kind of divide, you know, be so divisive for the club that um, you just don't know where it could kind of lead, you know. Uh, I mean, there was that whole save our skins um, thing back in the, in the seventies or eighties, whatever, you know, when, oh, 90, no, so 90, yeah. But, mm. um, yeah. you know, when, when you felt, you know, that, no, that was not, when you kind of had great kind of courage about and, yeah. and, and, and feeling like the, the club, um, was going to survive or, you know, or it was either, it was either or really it could, it could have kind of folded at that time, but yeah, there was, you know, there's been moments, you know, it's been a lot of moments over the last sort of 20 years, which have been, um, you know, let, oh, there, there was when, when David Mundy kicked that goal against us, the, you know. Um, oh yes, that's right. That was two weeks in a row where you were up in the last quarter and you lost two weeks in a row. Yeah. And then you went on, but that was 2017. This is what people forget. I know, but 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 that was it. Do you know why I was particularly disappointed at that time? It's because it was the very first game I'd taken my ten year old now Fox to. So he was his first, his first game of footy, and we, and we said, let's go see Frio, and we're like at the MCG, and, <laughs> and, and it was that kind of thing. And I saw the joy on his face, you know, when we were when he's like, he's like, yeah. Go Tigers, and he was like, "Yeah," and it was, and it, and it was just like, you know, the seconds were coming down. We're we're we're, we're at the MCG. We're, it was sort of, I think we're in the members somewhere, but and it was just like I saw him have such joy, and I was like, "This is this is what I wanted. This is what I wanted my son to feel." <laughs> and then it was like seconds, the seconds, and then the bounce, the bounce guys, and I remember it vividly. The bounce guys. Uh-huh. And we hadn't flooded the back line enough. Like not enough of our players have got back in. Like, what are you doing? And then one, two kicks, Monday in the pocket, you know, but he was, he was about 45 meters out and we were sort of deep in the pocket. And, uh, and he took the mark and I'm like, and, and, and Fox turned to me, he goes, dad, are we okay? Is it going to be okay? And I was like, it's going to be okay right? because he's, he's 45 out and he's on an acute angle. There's no way we're going to be okay. Right? And, and, he, and he just came in and kicked the goal. And it was actually, it was a pretty crushing moment because he was like, oh, yeah. what just happened? <laughs> what like, have you done to me? Why did you bring me here? What just happened? And I'm like, we lost son. We lost. <laughs> It doesn't seem like um, this will ever happen now, not with 100 strong members. But if the Tigers were to fold, could you see yourself following another club? Uh, yeah, you know, that, that, of course. I mean, yeah, yeah let's, let's say, let's say you know, it doesn't feel like it. it you know, we're, we're in a very strong financial position, of course. And it, it, I think the the great thing about the Tigers, the club itself, is its, if it, is its proximity to the MCG. I mean, it feels as though... If the the MCG will be there and Punt Road will be there for as long as the MCG was there, and, and you never you can never see that. And I've loved I've loved the, the fact that 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 the Richmond Club has such proximity to the MCG. So you know, with the kids, it's one of those things. You know that if you stand in anywhere in between Punt Road 
like the clubhouse and the exit point of the M- of the MCG that you can get autographs of the players. You know, you because often players will come out that you know go go out the other way or go to the car park or do whatever, and they kind of whereas. The Tigers, after a game at the MCG, will invariably most of them will just walk across to the to the clubhouse, so you can stand there and get and get autographs. So that's one of the things that I love most about about the the the, the Tigers kind of the, the club. Anyway, mm-hmm. but you always have a second club. You know, you've always got you know you generally people you go who who do you barrack for? You go oh I barrack for the the Saints. Who's your second club? Because everybody's mm-hmm. got a second club. You know, yeah, it's like your hall pass, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. You know, and my second club is is well, well, it used to be, it used to be. I remember for a long time, it used to be Hawthorne because I grew up in in Baldwin, and uh, you know, Glenfrey Road was where the Hawks kind of trained and stuff like that. So that was, if I had a local club, that was Hawthorne was my local club where I grew up. You know, and um, so I, you know, I but. But I think more recently, I think I would probably be a Blues supporter or Saints. I think. Oh, interesting! The Danny Frawley connection, or is it the or is it the Dean Polo connection? One of those two. Uh, Bernie, this has been great. Thank you so much uh, for coming on the show. Uh, I have learnt a lot about the Richmond Football Club. And uh, look, I would uh, wish you all the best for next season, but I don't think you're going to need it. I feel like the uh, the Tigers are on the verge of something pretty special. Um, uh, we had Waleed Ali on our grand final show, who's also oh, yeah. a mad Tigers fan. Yeah. And he was saying that you know he thinks the best team he's ever seen has been the Brisbane Lions of the early 2000s and uh, I think the team you've got at the moment is probably a bit better than that and I would not be surprised to see you guys win another one next year Um, well you know what I mean you know it's a share and share alike Charlie I I (laughs) actually I I would get a lot of joy out of watching the Saints take a flag next year so would I mate I mean you wouldn't wouldn't hear from me for about 12 months because I'd be on a 12 month bender but uh... Uh, listen I'd probably I'll probably be at the game with you so we'll be able to go on that bender together and you know and and I'd I'd enjoy the ride with you you know well dare to dream All right, thanks Bernie thanks mate cheers we are two guys one guy